The Heavy Networking Podcast welcomes sponsor Palo Alto Networks into the virtual recording studio for some remote work discussion. And this show is going to come in two segments. First up, we're going to introduce you to Palo's new secure wireless mesh offering for your home-based users. It's called Okio Guard, and it's not just an AP you hang off a central controller. There is more to the offering than that, as it caters to the unique requirements of work from home, including tech support, where the user doesn't have to call your help desk because their game console isn't working right. In the second segment, we are going to address a new, simpler licensing scheme that makes it easier to accommodate hybrid workers because sometimes they're at home and sometimes they're in the office and you never really know how much bandwidth you need at your sassy SD-WAN edge on a given day. Palo Alto Networks is a new licensing scheme that means you pretty much don't have to think about it anymore. Our guests from Palo Alto Networks are Mike Jacobson and Rajesh Carey. Mike is going to go over Okio Guard with us in the first part of the show, and then Rajesh is going to grab the mic to explain the new licensing. So Mike Jacobson, welcome to the show. Over to you first. Um, Okio Guard uh, Enterprise Edition, new product that you're announcing here, and this is all about supporting customers that are working in a home office environment. Tell us about Okio Guard, man. Thanks, Ethan. Glad glad to be here and, and talk about this. Um, obviously, in the last two years, things have changed quite a bit in how employees work. Um, and there's lots of different dimensions to that, but but where they work is a significant one. And uh, and so about two years ago, we set off on this journey to build Okio Guard to really help our enterprise customers support a, a more dynamic environment where employees are spending a much more significant amount of time working from home. And in fact, most of the enterprise customers that we talk to today don't see this ending. Even, even if we somehow magically escape from, from this, this COVID world, they still believe that there's a decent chunk of employees that will stay remote permanently or be partially remote working two or three days a week from home. Yeah, that, that seems pretty likely, Mike, right? I mean, people are demanding that. They got a taste of it during COVID and now they don't want to let that work from home experience go. You get to reduce commuting and all that. So I, I agree, that does seem to be where it's at. There, there are definitely people that are going to be working from home for some amount of time permanently. So you guys come up with Okio Guard to address this. Now, for people that think of Palo Alto Networks as a firewall company, Okio Guard is definitely has a security component, but this is Wi-Fi 6 uh, mesh-enabled routing, yeah? Yeah, that's right. And we have seen customers that try and take an enterprise firewall and, and put it into the home and manage that. You know, a branch office with IT managers is a very different situation than a home with with employees and kids and other things running around and so try to take a fresh look at it and figure out how can we bring the security capabilities that we have at Palo Alto Networks in our products into a form factor and in, into a management structure that is appropriate for the environment that we're going into. So it, it isn't trying just taking a PanOS-based firewall and saying, I'm going to smash this into a home, and then you get to manage thousands and thousands of these firewalls, which obviously we tried to do a very good job of making that easy, but the person who's going to turn it on and plug it in and connect it is not an IT manager. Yeah. And so <laughs> trying to design it appropriately has, has been a big part of this. Well, Drew, I heard you chuckling in the background there, but I mean, this, this goes back to, I, I used to do basically this. I'd have a little teeny firewall from you know whoever it was. I'd bundle this thing up with color-coded cables and explicit instructions. Plug this in here and plug this in here and plug your other stuff in here. And, 
you know, 50-50 success rate, whether or not that thing was coming online or not. So to have something that caters to the people that have to plug this in and live with it day by day, that's a, yeah, that's a smart move. You can't see it on the podcast, but it is, it's not a pizza box. It's not just blinky, blinky lights in front. It's actually got, you know, it's, it's an interesting shape that looks like you could put it in, you know, your living room and not be like, what the heck is that? And, you know, it's not going to make a lot of noise and all that kind of thing. So it is, it does have like, there's been some design thought put into it because it is supposed to be in the home. Yeah. You know, while our customers that are buying this product are enterprises and they may not care about design. They're giving this to their work from home employees, and it's going to go, like you said, on the counter, um, taking a box that was designed for the data center from a look and feel perspective and, and putting it on the counters. I'm not going to want that sitting out on my desk. Um, and so I think tried to be sensitive to our one of our primary users who are interfacing with the device on a daily basis and make sure that it's it's designed for both of those constituents, the enterprises who are struggling with how to secure the employees and the employees who who want to have things that are nice looking and behave in a way that is manageable and easy for them and makes their life better. Not this thing that they're grudgingly putting into their house because their company told them to do it. So it's a router. I, I take it and I plug it in and it gets me Wi-Fi throughout my house, but you've also designed some segmentation into it so that I'm not just everything I do at home is now sort of going through and being seen by Palo, right? Right. So you know, the, the home environment has a lot of different dynamics going on as far as the types of devices, the people, the purposes of the traffic in the home and, and what's going on there. And so as we look at how can we take the concepts of zero trust and segmentation and say, okay, let's think about this new environment. If we we're going to start from scratch, which is what we did, what would we do? First thing is we bring the SSID that your laptop connects to all the time when you're in the office bring that same SSID into the home. It's presented by this, this Wi-Fi mesh system. And all of the traffic on that network will go into Prisma Access, get all of the policies and, and, and security infrastructure that you have, that you're, that you're using for your branch offices or your mobile users, and kind of natively secure that traffic and tie into your SOC and other flows that you might have. And that is completely separate from a personal network that the employee can create where they're managing it, they're responsible for it. That traffic doesn't go anywhere near the enterprise, but it still allows the enterprise to be offering the employee the ability to elevate security, even on the personal side. Uh, so there's like a split responsibility thing key. here, Mike. Yeah. Okay. Right. You're, you're, we're talking about me as the IT administrator who can see into this device that's at this person's house I can offer them an SSID that is secured by Prisma Access in the cloud. Uh, and then all my all of that traffic, which would get me to all my work resources and so on, that's secured in the same way that I would secure any of my workflow traffic. But that person you're saying also has some administrative ability too with this device where they can create their own personal network, you said. Can you explain that component? Yeah. So what we provide is the ability for the end user to say, hey, I've got this off the shelf consumer router, got whatever vulnerabilities in it. It doesn't have any security features. I see what Palo networks can bring to the table on the enterprise side. I want to take advantage of that on my home network. They can take the SSID that they were offering for their personal network in their home for, for example, for me, it's it's called Gandalf. I take Gandalf and I configure that same SSID into the Okio Guard system and turn off my old router. Now all my devices connect into Okio Guard and 
I have malware prevention, I have phishing prevention, I have the ability if I want to do content filtering for my kids, pausing devices and so forth. So all of, all of the rich context that we bring to the table for enterprise security, I now can bring to bear for my, my personal home environment with very, very little work. And I take it there's a, a friendly interface there that is something that the, I don't have to be an IT administrator to do all that configuration and get all those benefits you were just describing. Exactly. So the, these two different domains are managed in ways that call it the domain administrator. In one case, the enterprise admin, in the other case, the home user are familiar with. And so there's a very simple mobile app that is used to activate the product for the end user. If I want to see the activity that's going on in my personal network, I click on it in, in the app. I want to change policy. It's all very consumer centric in the way that that flow has been designed knowing that a complex web interface with all the knobs and bells and whistles that an IT admin expects isn't going to help an end user consumer in the home. So if I'm uh, you know, a home user and I turn on my laptop and I fire up the Wi-Fi, I'm going to see two SSIDs. One is for corporate use and one is for personal use. That's the general segmentation we're talking about, yes? Yep. Okay, so what happens when I connect my laptop to the corporate SSID, and it, do I need to have some kind of client on my end device, or can I also use an unmanaged device? That's the beauty of it is when I take an enterprise managed laptop, IT has, they've got their standard images that configure these devices to be ready for what they consider to be the normal work environment. So when I get mm -hmm. my new laptop in the office, I open it up and it automatically connects. There's probably agents there for various purposes. When I bring that laptop home and I open it, it's going to see the same SSID that was pre-configured for the office and it will automatically connect. There's no user action required. Mm -hmm. there's, no, there's no new IT configuration required for that laptop either. Just out of the box, it will dynamically connect to the, the enterprise SSID and the security stack that's sitting behind that. And the security stack we're talking about is the Prisma Access, which is a SASE service. So it's a bunch of you know, cloud-delivered services, firewalling, web filtering, et cetera. So I, I'm assuming that the traffic coming off that SSID is going to be shunted into the cloud to the nearest POP for all, you know, whatever security policies an administrator has put in place. Exactly. And that, that's, that's really the beauty of the SASE architecture that we have, where that same stack is brought to bear regardless of where the users might be, where the offices might be. I have, I can take do advanced malware analysis and detection on that traffic, regardless of source. I can I can do DLP. I can do SSL decryption. Kind of all of the rich tools that I have, without actually having to to do a single bit of work because of the the source of that traffic is different. It all comes to the same place with the same security capabilities. Mm. Got it. Okay, Mike. In the modern era, where we're all very concerned about privacy. I just, I kind of had this like red light go, uh, wait a minute. So I, as the IT admin can manage this thing that's sitting in someone's house and presumably see all the traffic going through it. Do we have a privacy concern here? Oh, well, there would be if that's what we did. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say that, that the red lights flash for, for everyone. I think it's a, it's a common concern. And, and from the beginning, kind of with that awareness of that sensitivity and kind of nervousness, We've designed the product with distinct separation in these domains at the network stack level, at the kind of logging and, and reporting level, at the configuration level, everything is kept separate. And it's easy to say that technically. The, the, the tricky part is how, you know, how do we explain this in a way that the employees 
believe us. Like their enterprise paid us for this. How do we make sure that they're comfortable with this? And so we're looking at, as we go through, for example, SOC certification uh, process that we're working on right now, there's this thing that I didn't even know existed called SOC 3. I know SOC 2 has been around for a long time and we've used that. SOC 3's intent is, is to explain these concepts of privacy to end users. And so we're looking at, at potentially going down that path to come up with some documentation that isn't the, the detailed technical stuff that an IT admin wants to know from a data management perspective, but it's really tailored towards the end user to help them feel comfortable that Peloton Networks isn't sharing their personal data with, with the enterprise. Because neither, neither party wants that. The IT manager, the last thing they want to know is what you're doing on your personal network. Yeah, so I, I want to clarify something. If you said I could get two SSIDs, if I'm using the personal SSID and we'll continue to use Gandalf as the example, you know, and my kids are doing their schoolwork on that, my spouse or partner is connected to his or her job through that, that's not going through Palo Alto's SASE cloud? That's right. So the SSID, the Gandalf SSID, all that traffic goes direct to the internet, just like it would if, if you were using an off-the-shelf router from another vendor. Okay. The key is that when those connections are, are being established, the router is inspecting those connections, looking for malicious connections and, and blocking those. But that blocking is all happening locally in the router, not in any cloud service from, from Palo Alto Networks. Okay. And an administrator who's tasked with provisioning, setting these things up and maybe monitoring them can't see into whatever I'm doing on the personal SSID. That's right. They can see that the, the router is online and they can see enterprise devices connected to the enterprise SSID, but they won't know. They actually don't even know if you've created a personal network. There's just no visibility into that side of it. Okay. So is it then sort of germane on the end user to know which device needs to connect to which network? If they, if they set it up the way... And I'll, as the as the product manager, I'd love to if, if people always set things up the way I would expect. <laughs> <laughs> if the enterprise uses their existing SSID that is in the office, and the home user uses the SSID that was being offered by their previous product, mm-hmm. everything is magical. Okay. The, all of the IoT devices automatically connect to the new router, the Okio Guard router, the laptop from the enterprise will automatically connect to the the enterprise network. And there's nothing the user has to do other other than tell me what that name and password is to configure the router. That's it. Okay. Mike, how do I buy this thing? It's got kind of a unique positioning. So I could almost see it like, like maybe the consumer is expected to buy it. Do, but do I buy this product line like I would any other Palo product? Uh, yeah. So there's there's two ways. The primary way that, that we are going to market with this is to our enterprise customer base in order to provide this for their employees. And so Palto Networks would go, in, or well, you probably should use a different name. Enterprise A would go to come to Palto Networks and buy a thousand of these and provide them to their employees to, to secure their homes. And so it is purchased through kind of the traditional enterprise um, sales motions. There is an option to go to oq.com and buy directly from us as a consumer, but that's not where we're focused. Our focus is really on getting the enterprises to be comfortable that the work from home environment is, is, has been properly secured. So we talked about the privacy side. What about the IT support side? If I'm distributing these to my end users, does that mean I'm going to have to open up a ticket every time someone can't play Xbox uh, on the personal SSID? How does that work? Yeah, you know, similar to the, to the hardware design that you alluded to as it not looking like an enterprise device, the entire interaction that we have with the end users has been designed to really be an end user facing product. And so 
even from a support team perspective, we 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 have the ability and we can take those those calls, the chat in in the mobile app that is being used by the end user. They can chat with us. We can front end all of that, uh, even to the point where we have a concierge service where we will do the installation. So it, sometimes for for executives, the enterprise will send out an IT person to the executive's house to do the setup. We have the concierge service that can do that for all employees. It's part of the the service offering with our premium success plan. So really trying to, to make sure that from an IT perspective, this is actually making their life easier, not harder in all aspects and not, not just in the security policy execution perspective, but, but even the support perspective, making sure they don't become the front line for that. What is the coverage of one of these access points? If someone calls you in for support saying they got like weak signal. Is that like a, are we going to hear that, that complaint a lot with these or? Well, I, I don't think so. So the, I mean, you can, if you go to any website, you'll see these, these wonderful theoretical stats that say I have a single device <laughs> and it can cover 3000 square feet. And it can, as long as you live in a round home with no walls, right. uh, it, it does cover that. Much. Um, and, and so it, obviously your mileage will vary, but as far as like, if we look at this compared to other consumer products that are out there, the feedback that we've been getting is that in, in almost every case that I've, I've heard, actually in every case that I've heard of, there may be some that I haven't heard where they, they're grumbling, but everyone I've talked to has said the performance and coverage has been a significant improvement from, from what they had before. So we've really designed it to be a high-end, high-quality upgrade experience for the end user. So they want to have this in their home. Hmm. You mentioned it supports uh, a mesh environment. I'm, I'm thinking of my use case where I, for whatever reason, you know, I have to plug in the, the wired end of the router into my basement, but my office is on the second floor. So I do have multiple APs. Can I do that with this uh, Okio guard? Yeah, absolutely. So it, it supports wired or wireless mesh. You can have up to five of these units around your house. If you have a really large home, get full coverage all over the place, um, but no need to do physical wiring between the units. Although if you do have those already there, we can support the wired as well. Okay. So flipping the focus back to the IT ops people for a minute, if they buy that pallet of Okio Guard APs that they're going to send out to different employees' homes, is there uh, an onboarding process, some kind of an automated process where once somebody plugs that thing in, it comes up and can be adopted into their Prisma Access account? That, that adoption actually happens when the, the IT admin invites the employee to to use the service. And so they will add the employee's email address to the system. It will send an email to them to tell, explain to them how to get the mobile app and so forth. And when they authenticate in the mobile app as an enterprise user and scan the QR code, that will dynamically download the configuration to connect into that particular enterprise's Prisma Access tenant. And so there's no further configuration other than the email address of the end user it automatically connects into their Prisma Access tenant without any other work. Okay, that's reasonably slick. Okay, it's sort of like uh, sort of like, like an SD-WAN device adoption, uh, only in this case, the, you know, the user is the one that is interacting, uh, scanning the QR code, and then you know, that, the, that policy gets downloaded. But once that, that's, that's the magic then. Once that policy gets downloaded, they're, they're off and running. Yep, exactly. Okay, Mike, this is a good overview of Okio Guard. Um, if people want to find out more about this product line, where should they go? So the two avenues, um, if you're an employee and you're curious from the kind of an end user's perspective, you can go to okio.com. On the enterprise side, we have palatonetworks.com slash okio. 
has more of kind of the enterprise perspective to to understand the the details of this. So. And Okio, if you're listening, is spelled like Tokyo, but without the T. So O-K-Y-O. So we got Okio.com and then PaloAltoNetworks.com slash Okio to find out more about uh, about this. I this is really interesting considering what what this was. You know, when I was dealing with some of these sorts of setups, you know, twenty odd years ago, it was some little teeny firewall with you know four ports on it. It's like, oh, you want Wi-Fi with that? Ah, we had to pay a lot extra for that, so we didn't buy too many of those. Only special people get that one, etc. This is just such a better way to go. In the things are great in the modern era, is what I'm saying. Yeah, well, we we look forward to to working with enterprises and and really helping this work from home shift not be intimidating for for employers and be something that is pleasant for everybody. It's nice to have this flexibility and we want to make sure that we can enable this as we go forward. Excellent. Well, thanks for chatting with us, Mike. And we want to flip the conversation over to Rajesh. Now, Rajesh, we're still on this work from home theme, but we're going to shift the focus a bit to talk about hybrid work. That is, you're supporting employees that are working from home much of the time, but they're also in the office much of the time because reasons. Hybrid work. Yay. The challenge comes in, Rajesh, with uh, with licensing in that you kind of never know how much bandwidth you need in an office on a given day. And you don't want to over-provision and be paying for bandwidth that you're not using, but you don't want to under-provision either. And so the licensing game can be a frustrating one. But uh, Rajesh, Palo Alto Networks has been thinking through that, right? Absolutely, Ethan. First of all, glad to be here. But let's look at how traditionally IT administrators managed bandwidth for their branch offices or any sites, as a matter of fact. They would just predict that based on the number of users who are logging in from their branch offices. That gives them a good guesstimate of, oh, this is exactly how much consumption is going to occur from the branch office and these infrastructure are well-equipped. That's how they begin. That's exactly how they were using I, I so would, far. I would begin that way, Rajesh, right. And then I'd say, okay, now add 30% just to be safe. <laughs> and then and then I'd place my order at that point. So, yeah. Right. The guesstimate is not something that they stop at, right? They always try to be on the safer side and over, over provision for their branch offices. So that's exactly how things were moving along. But anything the past two years have taught us is... Nothing is as ideal as it seems to be. The remote workforce began and then now businesses are opening up. What it means is there's a new caution to the problem. Branch offices are realizing that employees are coming back, but not at the same rate on a daily basis. Sometimes the influx is more, sometimes it's bare minimum. So how exactly do I design my bandwidth consumption to this kind of a hybrid model? So I think the problem we're thinking about is, you know, uh, in a branch office, you know, on one day, 20% of the workforce could be there. And then the next day, 100% is, and that's going to dramatically change how much consumption is going on. And if I haven't licensed my bandwidth correctly, I'm running into problems. Exactly. And on top of it, you know, the, the past two years, the usage of applications have evolved as well. As a matter of fact, now, Drew or Ethan, you might be working from home. I'm at my branch office or my HQ. I'm still using my video conferencing applications, right? That is a traffic demanding apps, in fact. So these new influx of application also kind of puts more pressure on the infrastructure people to continue the same quality of experience for the applications with the existing bandwidth model. 
Okay, so what's Palo Alto then doing differently to help me, you know, kind of figure out this problem or manage this problem? Right. We have seen this happen in real life. And in fact, we were uh, using the same uh, bandwidth model uh, typical of any other SD-WAN vendors because that worked for a while. But now with this hybrid model, the flexibility and the variability comes into the existence. And we want to really provide the customers the flexibility that they need when provisioning the bandwidth. Exactly what you said, Ethan, is we don't want our customers to under-provision or over-provision, but to exactly allocate bandwidth and reallocate in most of the cases to best suit their needs. And that can change on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, if you have like branch offices distributed, one branch office could be consuming, say, 100 Mbps on a given day, another day, 20 Mbps. Um, but so we want to have an aggregated pool, which can be subscribed as part of an SD-WAN bandwidth licensing, and that can be uh, allocated and reallocated between these branch offices depending on their needs. So exactly where they need it, when they need it, they do use it to continue their best user experience. Okay, we got to dive into how this works a bit, Rajesh, because you're saying a bandwidth pool that can be moved around as needed. Does that mean as an administrator, I got to like think about this on a given day and go, okay, I got 50 people coming into the Boston office, so I better send some license over there. Is it that sort of thing? It's it's not exactly a reallocation on a daily basis, but since you're going with this aggregated pool model and you have the predictive analytics that is already provided by the SD-WAN, it becomes seamless for any administrator to see how much utilization is coming out of a branch office and design their allocation accordingly. So uh, you, let's you, say you, for instance. So, so you're, saying, you're saying I don't have to care about individual offices and license individual offices. What I care about is knowing how much, again, on that aggregated basis, all of my different offices might need and then that's the one number I care about. And then from there, it's just licensing the pool as a, as a centralized object. I don't have to think about each edge and license each edge. That is correct. That's exactly correct. Yes, you don't have to think about how much license I'm subscribing per site. Instead, you're only focusing on that one big number, which is your aggregated pool bandwidth. Okay, so the idea is that if site A uh, is spiking, I can pull some of the allocated bandwidth from site B, which may be on uh, you know, a down day. So that's another beauty of this bandwidth model is we really don't police based on the spikes because we do understand that even if customers are buying in an aggregated model, they will be experiencing spikes at some of the branches. So we don't really police that. Instead, what we do is we seamlessly manage those spikes while we provide the visibility to the IT administrators to know where the spikes is occurring and at what consistency. So based on that, they can always go ahead and plan for upgrades or moving to another tier, which will best suit their bandwidth needs. So, okay, you're saying you don't police. That is, if I exceed some threshold, um, you're not going to like drop packets or throttle or anything like that. Is that is that right? That is correct. Yes. So, we so manage bursts seamlessly. So is there, so it's an honesty model then. Um, I'm going to know because I'm the IT administrator monitoring my SD-WAN cloud. I'm going to mm -hmm. know what my aggregate usage is. And it's up to me to say, 
hey, uh, Palo Alto Networks rep, I need to upgrade my license because I'm exceeding on, on a regular basis. That is correct. So again, you don't need to do it uh, on a renewal, but you can do it uh, as soon as you realize that you're consistently using more than uh, available bandwidth and you can easily upgrade. Or some cases, even you can even downgrade because you're not really consuming that much of bandwidth. Okay, so I could actually <laughs> essentially buy bandwidth back if I realize, oh, I don't actually need that much. I've, I bought pool, you know, the, the, pre, the, the platinum pool, but what I really need is the gold pool, you're saying. That is correct. That is correct. The way I think about it is, Ethan, when, uh, when I started working remotely, I had a 50 Mbps bandwidth from my provider for my home network. While it was working fine, but then, you know, my daughter started taking her Zoom classes from home. My wife started uh, at, at taking her WebEx sessions. So ultimately, in the middle of the day, when everybody is involved in their own video applications, we consistently ran out of bandwidth and we would get these warnings saying that, you know, your internet is unstable. So what I did was I contacted my provider and said, what do I do? So typically they said, how many devices do you have? How many applications do you use? How many users are logging in? Boom, 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 all the parameters. And they gave a guesstimate. You know what? I just went with the guesstimate and upgraded myself to one gig. Instead, what if there was a way where I can really see how much I'm using, my daughter is using, my wife is using on a daily basis and even on a periodic basis, like 8 a.m. in the morning and 11 a.m. in the morning. That would help me to clearly subscribe to the right bandwidth consumption, right? Mm. So that's exactly what we are bringing into the enterprise. So if I am a Prisma SD-WAN consumer now, I'm already using this product, does that mean my licensing model is changing and I'm going to need to do some kind of a, a switch from the way I license today to be able to take advantage of this new pool-based licensing? Uh, you wouldn't be switching to a different model. It's basically, a, you can do it either as a renewal, because right now you would be using a subscription model and you can renew to a consumption model, or you can upgrade to this particular SKU at any moment. Okay, so there's no hardware change or software change as such. It's just, I can opt to, uh, with this SKU to, uh, to change how I'm doing my licensing to, to consumption-based and take advantage of this. So, so do I, I, I probably need to do a cost-benefit analysis. Is that fair? So going back to your first question, so all I need to do is, remember, that's the beauty of this model because it's a licensing construct. It's not a appliance. It's not a device. So whatever device the customer has right now will function and it will just behave to the new consumption model or the licensing construct. That's it. It's seamless, right? And to coming back to your second question is, yeah, the customer doesn't have to do anything with respect to their existing infrastructure. So uh, can you give me a sense of, you know, how big is the jump between, you know, one pool versus another pool? Are we talking megabits, gigabits, more? So it, this is a totally call from the customer. Again, you know, depending on how many employees are returning to your branch offices, how many branch offices you are planning to open. For instance, uh, statistics says like, so, uh, businesses are planning to open 75% uh, of their branch offices in the next two years. Uh, 
So based on that, they can always decide how much bandwidth they want to upgrade to or how much bandwidth they are in fact using now. And would that be sufficient when they are opening 100% as well? But again, you have to take into consideration the SD-WAN analytics. That's the power of Prisma SD-WAN uh, visibility. So they can exactly see historically what has happened in their enterprise as well as what is happening currently. So based on that, they can take a very calculated decision of how much upgrade or how much tier they need to move towards to. Engineers tend to think about bandwidth in terms of uh, more. <laughs> that is like, if I don't have enough, <laughs> I go with more. But practically speaking, there are budget constraints there. Maybe I can't upgrade my bandwidth, Rajesh. Are there other, uh, other things that I can do to the traffic if I find that I'm exceeding, like, uh, I don't know, introduce a QoS policy or, or, or something that would help if I'm you know, exceeding my limits at some point. Absolutely. So Prisma SD-WAN is a next-gen SD-WAN, which provides not just your decision-making process, and with this bandwidth consumption model allows you to flexibly consume it. But again, we have all the moving parts of a next-gen SD-WAN. What I mean by that is, if you think predominantly your employees who are coming into offices or using applications like video conferencing, then you can always set your business policies to prioritize it, to add uh, application resiliency using you know, multiple WAN links. So all those mechanics of SD-WAN is built in. So you don't have to do anything else. The only thing th this flexibility model brings in is on top of all the uh, available SD-WAN capabilities, now you have the control on knowing how much bandwidth you need and exactly where you need it and then allocate it accordingly. So I, I want to make sure I understand how much, it, it seems like the objective is this of this is to reduce the amount of work that I, as an IT or network engineer, have to spend time on figuring out how much bandwidth to allocate or how much to license uh, as part of that licensing deal. Is that is that what we're talking about? And, and how are you simplifying that process for me? I want to yeah. make sure I understand. Yes, it's all about simplification. It's not just the uh, overhead of managing bandwidth per site, but for a given customer, now all they have to be aware of is what is the aggregate pool that I need to purchase, right? Uh, that could be right down to the MBPS, which means that if the aggregated pool is computed based on the SD-WAN uh, analytics that we provide, then the customer is all set to either open up their branch offices immediately or gradually open up their branch offices while they move towards a better available tier on the bandwidth itself. So again, it all comes to the, the flexibility to address this bandwidth, bandwidth variability that's happening on a daily basis. At the same time, have a good cost analysis for the bandwidth consumption that's happening in their environment right now. Do you anticipate customers trying to make sure they aren't uh, over-provisioning and wasting money? Is that the point of this or is it more about just simplifying that sort of licensing process? Yes, there are two parts to it. One, we want to simplify their process. We want to eliminate that operation complexity where, for instance, if anybody is in a uh, in acquisition mode, they are bringing in new branch offices and they, they don't know how much consumption is currently happening for these new branches. We want to simplify the process for them. The second thing is, again, we want to enable them to either not over provision or under provision, but exactly meet the needs based on the number of users and the applications that's being used on a daily basis. 
Okay. So like Ethan's example earlier, when he said he would do a back of the envelope calculation and add 30% on, maybe instead of adding 30%, I could add 10% and, you know, pocket that 20% for some other project. That is correct. Yes. Uh, Rajesh, we've been talking in terms of uh, the typical enterprise that might be interested in this or is using this product, but there's a big partner network out there that Palo Alto Networks has as well. Any unique advantages for those folks? The advantages are pretty much for every persona in an organization or infrastructure you would think of, right? It could be our own sales rep who are trying to provide a easier purchasing model for our customers. Because you know, as you mentioned uh, in the start of the conversation, purchasing bandwidth is a pain. So a sales rep could easily quote this for a customer. At the same time, a partner can do for their customers as well. Uh, especially in, in a crowded market like SD-BAN, this makes their life much more easier because they know exactly how much the customer is leveraging in terms of uh, bandwidth because most of the time they are the one who are allocating the bandwidth in conjunction with other service providers. And then they are able to give them the exact compute of, hey, how much are you over-provisioning? How much are you under-provisioning? And how much do you need to upgrade? So it makes everyone's lives easier at the end of the day. Hmm. Well, Rajesh, let's say I've been listening to this and I'm convinced I think I want to give this new consumption-based licensing model a spin. How do I find out more about how to do that? Yeah, we have a ton of resources on this one. You can easily go to our product page, which is www.paloaltonetworks.com slash sassy slash SD-WAN. You can, there's an instructor video and there's also research uh, materials you can find beneficial uh, to understand more about this model. In addition, people who are interested in knowing Prisma SD-WAN as a product itself, we have a hands-on experience with our Prisma SD-WAN virtual ultimate test drive. It's right there on the product page. When you say, when you click on get started, you can obviously go and register for that. And you can have a live person running a workshop and you can understand more about what Prisma SD-WAN is all about and what you can do for your organization with such a next-gen solution. Rajesh, I don't know that I'm ready for a virtual ultimate test drive. It sounds, it sounds very, very intense, man. No, no, it's, 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 it's really simplified. You know, we just run a workshop where we can let audience uh, basically drive the provisioning of SD-WAN all by themselves. Well, Rajesh Carey, thank you for joining us on Packet Pushers Heavy Networking Podcast today. And again, if you're listening and you want to dig into more of what Paolo was chatting about on today's episode, paloaltonetworks.com slash okio for the Okio Guard product set that we were talking about at the top of the show. And then paloaltonetworks.com slash sassy slash sd hyphen wan if you want to dig into the new consumption-based licensing model. And our thanks to Palo Alto Networks for sponsoring today's episode. And and thanks to you for listening in. If you do ring up your account rep to find out about Okio Guard or any of the other things that you heard about, be sure to let them know you learned about it on the Packet Pushers Podcast Network. Many more fine free technical podcasts along with our community blog. That is all at packetpushers.net. Follow us on Twitter at packetpushers and find us on LinkedIn. And if you are Slack-minded, join over 2,000 fellow engineers at packetpushers.net slash Slack. You can talk nerdy or check out career opportunities from all over the world in the jobs channel. Last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough. <laughs>